This episode is brought to you by SharesPost. Since 2009, SharesPost has been a leader in the secondary market for private company shares. With its network of 44,000 accredited investors and 150,000 members, SharesPost has transacted in more than 190 different private companies. Whether you're an investor or a shareholder looking for liquidity, SharesPost has a solution for you. Visit SharesPost.com. Coming up on Equity, Dropbox files confidentially for an IPO, Xiaomi looks to IPO for up to $100 billion, and Telegram is looking to do a $2 billion ICO. Welcome to Equity. I'm TechCrunch's Katie Roof, and my colleague Matthew Lindley is back. Hello. Crunchbase News Editor-in-Chief Alex Wilhelm. Hello. And our special guest today is Shruti Gandhi, who is a managing partner at Array Ventures. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, big, big news this week. We've had Dropbox, which we've been anticipating forever. Forever, uh, literally. News came out that they've filed confidentially for an IPO. I'm hearing that they do want to do it soon, um, ideally in the first half of this year, probably even sooner. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was a long time coming. We had it, they had a really high valuation, ten billion dollar valuation, and for the longest time, people had been speculating that they would go public because they should go public when you have that high of a valuation. I mean, your investors really, really want you to go public when they have that high of a valuation. But they kept delaying, and uh, but it sounds like now they're finally serious. I still still have that feeling about Dropbox, like we've been talking about it for years. Like I'll believe it when I see it, kind of thing. We were just chatting about that before the show, but well, but it does duped, sound like yeah, know? exactly. I, I mean, feel like the news has come around so many times now. That, like Dropbox is going to go public this year for real. They filed. They've actually filed. So I yeah. guess that, it is, <laughs> that is a pretty serious the step. River. Yeah, it is a pretty serious step. But yeah, it's been it's been forever. I feel like it was like 2014, 2015, 2016. 2017, 2018, that we've been like, yeah, Dropbox is going to be one of the most anticipated IPOs of the year. Well, we talk about companies growing into their valuations, right? And apparently it's taken about this long for them to do so. They've been cash flow positive now for a minute, so it isn't like they've been kind of in doubt from a business perspective, but they're probably now more comfortable with getting close to that $10 billion mark, which you can either say is fair or indicates that their investors got way ahead of their skis back during the uh, kind of the early days of the unicorn boom. If you will. Oh, well, I mean, like when you're when we're talking about that valuation, I mean, we keep referring the, to this ten billion dollar valuation, which you know, for all intents and purposes, and and like tech speak was eons ago, right? I forget it was like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen or something like that. Yeah, twenty fourteen, and and that was also around the time where we started scratching our heads, being like, well, like are these guys overvalued? Uh, like probably Dropbox is not worth ten billion or so on and so forth. And now we're actually like four freaking years later, right? So now, oh man, it is so, twenty eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, like, and it looks like this was like yeah, early 2014 that they got that valuation. So it, it, it's been a while, and we don't know yet. They may not actually achieve that in in the first days of, of being a public company. But if they're like Square, then it won't really matter in the long run. Because <laughs> Square went public at, at really a, a little more than half their valuation, their private nine dollars. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, they, yeah, 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 and it, it was supposed to be 13 plus. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. So they they had had like a six billion dollar uh, private market valuation, and they went public at around like three or so, and now they're doing really well. Uh, and so we, the point is, we don't know um, 
whether Dropbox will achieve that in the early days, but that seems to be less of a threat to companies now that there have been some success stories of companies that were able to overcome that hurdle. Still, it doesn't look good when you first debut and your your valuation is below your last private round because uh, that means sometimes employees, uh, later stage investors, a lot of people are underwater and they have to make a decision, um, you know, are my shares going to actually be worth what I thought they would be when I invested or when I joined the company someday. And um, it's hard to, it's hard to tell in the early days. So it's definitely one to watch, but it's, it's, a decacorn? Is that what we call the ten billion dollar? Unicorn is a phrase that was invented on TechCrunch. Uh, One billion dollar valuation, and then then decacorn is ten billion dollar valuation, and then it's a very obnoxious term. But the people who use that term in conversation, you can just kind of remove from your contact list, and you'll never <laughs> miss anything that matters. Um, Bye, Alex. The, con- the context of this question about its revenue, about its valuation, it's kind of based on revenue, right? We care about how big it is, and we know, I think it was January 17th, that they reached an ARR level of about $1 billion. So if they grew by, say, 30% last year, they would be on an ARR pace now, one year later, of about one3 And I did some math, um, kind of figuring out boxes, rough ARR are multiple, which is about 5.8. Now, not all boxes revenue recurs. We're being a little bit loose using gap rev as an ARR cognate, but whatever, get used to it. And at 1.3 billion ARR for Dropbox, at boxes ARR multiple of 5.8, it's worth about 7.5 billion, which is close to 10 ish. Um, now, you can argue that they're more valuable on a per dollar revenue basis due to higher margins, per se, or maybe faster growth, whatever. But I mean, that's the that's kind of where the market would put them now using comp numbers. I'm kind of curious, where do you think this is going to land, and do they wait too long? Um, or why go public? <laughs> I do think that this, uh, we're talking about Dropbox, but this might lead for Box's valuation to go up quite a bit because they just started seeing 2017 as a good year for them. And now suddenly, if a company, um, it parallel comp companies coming and going public with higher numbers, at least in the, where they are today, and if Dropbox comes out at at least 10 plus billion, then Box might increase in value is my enterprise bullish view <laughs> based on the fundamentals of um, where the spending's happening, profitability, uh, how Box is spending their money. Um, and their multiples are really low. Yeah. Well, I mean, Box is kind of industry standard for SaaS right now. I mean, Box isn't, they're growing, what, 28% a year, roughly? I, that's, a, that's close enough for math. But if Dropbox is growing faster, you're right. They could definitely be, command a higher multiple. Um, I guess I'm just tired of waiting. Well, I mean, Dropbox has always been a really weird one, though, right? Because so they got their $10 billion valuation. It's like, ah, oh, Dropbox is a consumer company. And then a year later, we're like, ah, oh, well, like it probably has to be an enterprise company to make a lot of money and or actually make real revenue and actually be a real company. So what is it? It's probably worth like 4 or $5 billion. And now that they're filed to go public in 2018, we'll actually see whether it's an enterprise or a consumer or both. But Theoretically, I mean, if both businesses are working, you have this kind of like dual track revenue system and like more revenue streams are good, right? So maybe it's a little bit more valuable than Box, but... Yeah, they have like, what, 500 million users or something like that? I forget exactly. Yeah, they have a lot more users. I mean, they're a much bigger company, and that's why they had the higher valuation. But but Dropbox for a while was just a completely free product. It's it's It's... 
for those of you who don't know, I realize we should probably explain to you, Dropbox can be used for, for file sharing, and I mean, that's that's probably primarily what it's used for, right? They've file tried sharing. to launch They have a editing. Google Docs competitor launched. What, what was their carousel? Their photo, oh, yeah. their, I was at they, the they carousel. failed acquisitions. Was, it, was anyone else at, well, we'll get to Mailbox in a second, but was, was anyone at Carousel's launch? You were there. Do you remember how creepy that was with all their employees around the edges applauding everything yep. they said? There was like 25 press people and like 6,000 PR people. And <laughs> all the media and SF knows you looks like this, so a few of us. And so we all were sitting together in a little clump. And every time Dropbox would say anything on this little dais slash stage, the entire room would explode into applause. And none of the reporters were applauding. And it just felt very astroturfed. And then the product failed. But uh, Mailbox is another good example. They paid $100 million for that back in the day. Um, that and that was a good app. That was a good email app. It was a great app about ACK because it did not uh, persist. Actually, as an exactly. Don't know where it went. Uh, yeah, they, I think they, it just they got rid of it. The mist. Um, they all left. True. But Dropbox did have the best breakfast of any tech office I've been to. Did. To their credit. I used to live across from there and the Beacon, and sometimes I'd just go there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> wait, wait. They just let you in? Well, you have friends there. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know it was an but open buffet. But you and Shrizy's well connected. You just don't know. Well, it's she, like seven she, blocks. She's got from, friends. It's seven blocks from the TC office. I could have just walked over there and had free food. Okay. I mean, real. That's where I discovered like they have Yuba noodles for dinner. I mean, it's so fun, and they have like this amazing free bar on Fridays. It's like a college dorm experience. And then five years later, that's they what they're doing at the ten billion dollar valuation. <laughs> I mean, not, they've raised a lot of money, so. No. Okay. I mean, I don't think. Hopefully that they they've gotten better about spending. I think actually they, they even had a post about that at one point. They had some statue there. Chrome Panda. Yes, the panda. That's right. But to, to, to Dropbox's credit, we, we tell a lot of jokes and we're slightly rude, but if they have filed confidentially, that means they're going to go public. Most likely, and good for them for reaching that threshold. Admittedly, later than we expected, but I have never taken a company public. So, two kudos, minus one for the spending. <laughs> you <book>. have it? <laughs> jokes aside, the number of companies with a billion plus in revenue is a very small number. I think I was trying to do this search. Um, total number of companies in the world with over a billion in revenue is like less than 2,000. Less oh, than, wow. So, wow. private companies, I don't even know. So, I think kudos for getting there that fast as well um but uh I, you know uh, where we will see where that goes in terms of pricing journey um but i'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah and they've been around since 2007 so they've been around for for over a decade but for sure that's a lot of money there's there's no question i mean you're right i have never how many how much is brought it? in a billion dollars in revenue for i'm sure someone will do this math of uh, revenue per employee we should get on it before <laughs> before someone does i it. mean this right? is sad don't you really want arr per fte there, there you go. Get to it. Yeah. Uh, and if you didn't get that joke, um, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, let's move along to the other company, if you don't mind. What's going on over in China? Phones. Phones. <laughs> no, so uh, so we have uh, Xiaomi is uh, kind of getting closer to its IPO, which is, a sh I feel like Xiaomi is another one of those companies that's like, yes, like, it will go public eventually. Eventually. Eventually, one day. Um, so it that, started in 2010. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Xiaomi, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the sort of, uh, I guess we used to call it, do we still call it the Apple of China? Probably, right? We can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so they're, they're in a, this, a similar business. Yeah, yeah. So, so they so they make phones, um, like a lot of companies, but they, so they're kind of, uh, their goal is to make premium high-end phones like iPhones, like very, very, very good 
high quality products but sell them almost at cost or much much cheaper than an iphone so selling selling a kind of pre- the kind of premium customer experience that apple gives you for a thousand dollars a phone or whatever the hell it is at this point and and selling it for you know a couple hundred dollars instead right uh not in the u.s so we probably don't pay as much attention to them as we should but now that they're now they're potentially going public at a hundred billion dollar valuation which is a hundred billion dollars right and so i i have been told that the hundred billion dollars is what they've been you know, bankers like to pitch a really nice round number to get, to get prospective business. And so I'm told that certain people close to the company are taking that a little bit with a grain of salt. But but we do expect that their valuation would be above. They they had a over $45 billion last private valuation. And so they are expecting it to be above that. But whether it's really whether, whether they can really achieve $100 billion, uh, some people are a little bit skeptical of. But that's a nice number. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's it's a big, it's, it's, big number. It's the song and dance, right? It's like, oh, like it should be a hundred billion. No, it should be fifty. Okay, we'll go. We'll go with seventy-five. Now, right? <laughs> like, um, but I mean, no. Sh- but <laughs> sorry, I just love that. It. It's a fifty billion dollar gap. Like that works if it's like seventy-eight or seventy-six, seventy-seven. A hundred and fifty is the biggest gap ever. You can drive Uber straight through that gap, and it's fine. This that's, weekend, that's Uber. That's how investment yeah. banking works. Yeah, and it's Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, and I'm told at least one other banker a, so, a Chinese banker that's probably going to do it um, so the, they like to promise <laughs> nice numbers to get the business I mean I guess it works I mean, Goldman, Goldman and, and Morgan are pretty successful so I can't I, I don't want to say no to anything because the NASDAQ has been on such an insane run over the last couple of years that nothing makes sense to me so maybe a NASDAQ 7300 Xiaomi is actually worth 100 billion dollars at current revenue multiples I, maybe I don't know I mean nothing seems to make that much sense but the company is doing i think it was 17 to 18 billion in revenue last year so that would be like what a you know 6x rev multiple roughly 5.5 whatever it is well i mean we always we always draw the comparison apple but like xiaomi is actually a little bit of a different business right they sell kind of like added services on top of their batteries and they probably sell a fridge i don't know one of those (laughs) (laughs) they're not samsung (laughs) yet i don't know but they they sell they sell a a lot of different products in addition to their phones and and you know in china especially the phone market is extremely competitive compared to the united states right um you know you have other companies like huawei and 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 those guys also going up against xiaomi uh, xiaomi locally um so I feel like it's one of those things where it's 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 you, again you look at the valuation you're like mm, I don't know flip a coin I guess because <laughs> it because it is it is kind of like it, it, compared to Apple or even Samsung or some of these other guys it is it is different and it is hard to value right because it's sort of like do you value it as a services business because they they have razor thin margins on their phones and that's mm-hmm. not really they're going to be their gro- their growth the growth vector if you're going to kind of value them at next year's revenue multiples or margins or things like that that like you would for other companies. And you instead look at them like a Roku or something like that, right? Which may turn out to actually be the closest comparable compared to then rather than comparing it to like an Apple or something because like that. Because right? Roku has essentially no margins on its hardware, it makes all its margins on its services, right? That's your analogy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's if that's how the actually plays out, I mean, or the S one comes out and they're like, oh my god, how do they have thirty percent margins on their phones? What that's, <laughs> you made a really good point there. Will it be an well? It'll be an F one if it's here, or will it be in Hong Kong? 
So where, where will this offering actually take place? Because there's been a lot of media coverage in the last two months about how the Hong Kong market is taking over some IPO share. And there's actually a great piece that I grabbed uh, before the show from the uh, South China Morning Post from uh, this year that says, Hong Kong stocks advance to record close and optimism city will return to IPO glory in 2018. So I'm kind of curious where Xiaomi ends up choosing to list. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Hong Kong. Um, yeah. the, the Financial Times said Hong Kong or New York. Um, I'm hearing Hong Kong sounds likely, although it's not confirmed. And while they are looking to go public this year, I'm also told it's not necessarily going to be this year. Like, it's probably going to be this year. But if for whatever reason the stock market struggles or whatever, I'm told Xiaomi is in a position where they don't have to go public this year. But they they <laughs> they probably will. I just, That's just like Dropbox. The, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that. I'm like, eh. But but it does sound like they're getting close. I mean, they are talking to bankers about a hundred billion dollars. So uh, something Maybe they're also on a dual track. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So we were joking before the show. Dual track uh, for for our listeners who may have learned that uh, that's when you consider both an acquisition and an IPO leading up to the IPO. Although, who would pay a hundred billion dollars? <laughs> For Xiaomi, I mean Apple, I suppose, but I yeah, don't think they're they going to. They have so much to. money there that they don't need to bring back. <laughs> they can just leave it all there. That's actually some really good like like uh, mental jujitsu there. Just use the money, don't pay the tax, and then if it goes down fifteen percent, who cares? You're still leaving. Exactly. Even. Do they want to just do an ICO then? Tim Cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think think about what would happen just for a second if Apple did an ICO. Like it would just the world would melt. That would be the end of the world. I feel. What would it be worth? Either infinite money or no money at all, which is true, I think, of all crypto projects. But Lindley did a segue for me, so I'll grab a hold of that. Yeah, rope. you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> I was just going to make Thanks for wait. joining us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Telegram is an application that people use for encrypted communications. It's a bit like Signal, and it's in the news over the last couple of weeks, especially on TechCrunch.com, for potentially putting together the biggest ICO ever. And as of about a week ago, give or take, um, it was going to be a $1.2 billion ICO with a reasonable chunk of that money set aside in a pre-sale for uh, kind of traditional investors before the public could get into it. Now, according to Bloomberg, it's going to be a $2 billion ICO. Now, obviously, that's a number that hasn't been confirmed, hasn't been filled, but that's what they're shooting for. And that would certainly be the biggest ICO of all time. And notably, Bloomberg reports that $850 million of that will be reserved for pre-sales before the ICO. So a pre-ICO ICO, or a real ICO, depending on how you want to look at that. But it's a lot of money. And I... It's not as dumb as many ICOs that I read. This is not Dentacoin, um, which is the dental hygiene uh, <laughs> the token. It's a token that they can use what? to pay. Oh, it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Dentacoin's a big deal. I'm not even kidding. Um, it's on Coin Market Cap. Look it up. They have a white paper. What does their token do? The Dentacoin. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to use them to pay for dental care. I think. Yeah, yeah, and then okay. with Telegram, it's actually not just for their existing app. I guess I read on TechCrunch.com that they're looking to build a decentralized internet that could power decentralized apps. Uh, this is this is John Russell wrote this about a week ago, and uh, I don't know. It sounds like they they are going to do some do a lot more, or they have they have a lot of visions here for peer to peer payments and um, powering apps. So it's not just to power the existing right. it, it seems more otherwise like that would be completely crazy i mean it still might be completely crazy but it's a little bit less crazy when you hear that they have a lot of ideas for things to do with the money 
Well, um, it's sort of like the WeChat in China, which is very similar to the aspirations that they're going for. I mean, you could, it's not decentralized, but it is where you can do a lot of peer-to-peer payments. You could, you can, I, a friend of mine just coming back from China said, you can now pay beggars on WeChat. Um, and I actually dug into how you do it. It's using a QR code. They all, the beggars walk around with a QR code. They have a bank account. So, <laughs> not, wow. not joking. Okay. So, I, so you it's can never say again, I'm sorry, I don't carry cash. Yeah, that's that's exactly but right. Actually, I just, I um, I would, that'd be cool. Actually, yeah, I, I agree. I, that's people, really cool. I would love to give you more money. Hundred yeah. percent. And so this uh, Telegram is an aspiration towards WeChat. Um, we also have to kind of think about how much WhatsApp was sold for. Um, Nineteen to billion to so, Facebook, and and Telegram started out sort of as a WhatsApp clone. Exactly, and so it's not that far off from what they're trying to raise. Um, so if we were joking about it in that sense, I mean, I know the whole crypto um, community is pretty down on a Telegram ICO, and that's just what I'm hearing. Um, but if you step out of that negativity and and look at all the comps of where things are today, um, you know, I remember. When my mother in India was telling me, hey, um, you know, I like WhatsApp, but there is this thing called Telegram you should get on. And this is like <laughs> seven years ago or oh, something. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Your mom is hip to technology. Very hip. I like it. Hip. Get that woman an angel fund immediately. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's funny you talk about WhatsApp. My, one of my best friends is an Indian national, and uh, he's on that 24 hours a day with his family. Facebook chat for all his friends here, and that's what he used to talk to everyone back home. It's yeah, it's crazy. By the way, dental coin is not a joke. That's an actual <laughs> thing that I didn't make up. It calls itself the blockchain solution for the global dental industry. Um, I have a question though. Why is the crypto community so down on the Telegram ICO? What's driving I, that? Doesn't I mean, make- I tried to talk to a few and you know people, and I think it's more like, well, what is a token achieving? What's the token achieving for everyone? Um, accomplish like, why does the token need to exist? I mean, you could do. Exactly everything what we we chat and WhatsApp and everyone else is doing, uh, but you know if arguably if I issue a token, is it benefiting the community? And you know I'm trying to make that leap out there, saying, well, yeah, if I use it more, maybe I get something in return. But it's not fully laid out. And the second thing, uh, which is why people should issue tokens, right? Uh, if but if it's not really laid out as to why there's a benefit as to the tokens should be circulated, the price of the token might, you know, not exactly um, appreciate. Yeah, ex- appreciate. Um, the other piece is uh, the tech uh, needs to come along a lot and their white paper recently issued doesn't really talk about that tech innovation. So those are the two things that I think uh, my friends in the in the circle talk about. Well, this is the first time I've heard someone say that ICO can't happen because it's not technologically developed enough. Normally, <laughs> normally that is not a concern. PowerPoint. <laughs> PowerPoint? I mean, hell, they use MS Paint from 97. I mean, do you, do you read these white papers? Some of them are just hilarious. Like, yeah. they just throw words like liquidity into random sentences and ship well, them. crypto communities now become really uh, deep in pockets and have an opinion. Uh, I haven't <laughs> noticed that. They've never sent me tweets at all about my coverage of Bitcoin <laughs> and other things. All, what all, do you think about ICOs in general, though? Me? Yeah. Uh, you know, at the early stage, it's a great way for founders to get liquidity for naysayers, people, VCs who don't believe in them, and that's a path they decided to take. I'm pro-ICOs. 
I know you don't agree, but uh, yeah, but come I, on. <laughs> I do think that there. I didn't say I'm against ICOs. Yeah, you did. No. <laughs> we can read it on your face. There's a little. Sound <laughs> that says ICOs are for I nudes. think you use stronger language. But. No. This is no, a family-friendly no, no, show. I didn't, I didn't, no, it's. I mean, it, it's kind of. It's kind of like you're saying though. It's like there's so much capital being poured into the into this mechanism for raising money that it's like uh, the same thing kind of happened in VC a little while ago, right, where there was just so much capital to be deployed, and then there was a massive shakeout, right? So it was like, okay, well, where are the actual good ideas? And Dendi you, coin. Yeah, well, okay. Dendi, <laughs> yes, dentistry on the blockchain. Please, don't, uh, please do not take that as investment advice to buy no. Dendi yeah, This is this is this is equity. We don't we don't we don't we don't get to talk about good 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 deals here. Um, but 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 I mean, it's it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like the downer in chief on the show, right? But it, but it's uh, you, you look at all this you look at all this capital flowing in, and and not only is there like a ton of capital to deploy, but it's also like not being deployed by the same people that have invested in companies for like 20, 30 something years or whatever it is, right? These guys that have seen like everyone, everyone in all these firms that have seen, you know companies like whatsapp come through or companies like dropbox come through or companies like these these things go through and it's you know it's it's just it's hard to see how it's going to play out and and, uh uncertainty is never i mean uncertainty is like kind of what got us here right but uncertainty is always not the greatest thing in the universe so uh yeah, I, th- I think that that I wouldn't invest in ICOs. I mean, I can't because I also write about this stuff, so it would be a conflict of interest. But I, w- I would be very – if I were investing in these kinds of things, I would – be very skeptical on the vast majority of them because as we were saying earlier there's a lot of sketchy stuff on there and people just trying to find a a way to raise money but um, I mean in general most startups are extremely risky investments and ICOs make it even riskier because anyone can really get into the game and um, it's VCs do a ton of due diligence before investing in startups on the background of the people. I mean, a lot of people can have a good startup idea, but executing on that startup idea and having the idea are two very different things. And so just because you believe in the business concept that has been laid out, you have to know a little bit about the person to know that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And so that's one thing that I think ICOs don't always make clear. Yeah, yeah sure. He's nodding, nodding. So, yeah, what kind of due diligence do you do, or what do you think about this? Well, actually, I've been impressed by the community uh, as to you know VCs generally talk about investing in companies and investing in people. Um, and so, to your point, these ICOs are coming out of nowhere, uh, you know, and launching, and people are investing. But the folks that are actually trying to make money off of here, you know, this here, are doing the same same kind of due diligence and talking about it in a there. Evolution has been different, to your point. I think it's been very um, ad hoc, and it's not as methodical um, as VCs today have this approach of, um, you know, I look at a person, I look at the idea, I look at how they can implement it, I look, you know, all of that. It's more like... uh, these other ICOs fell flat. We should probably pay more attention to um, how that you know we should do diligence. And and then there's been ICOs uh, that have come out by really good people, and those really price up, right? Like the Filecoin and all the other ones, and obviously the Telegram and such. So there obviously is disparity in prices uh, with the more seeked after ICOs versus the um, 
the ones we kind of make fun of. Right. The Denicoin. And for sure. And I think yeah. that it is a great opportunity. I'm not saying that all of these are sketchy because for sure, like there are people who might not have the VC connections and they might be brilliant people who are absolutely planning on to, to execute on these ideas and will be successful at it. And so it is... A, a way to raise money that didn't exist before and that's great because there are a lot of barriers to getting in with the vc community here in silicon valley yeah. we have listeners on the show all over the world and there could be people who have ideas in a far off place and maybe they don't have access to capital in the way that some people here in silicon valley do and and um it is a good opportunity for people like that. But Katie, I think there is a new wave also, or not new per se, but a lot of companies are doing hybrid ICOs, which means they do an equity round first of small friends and family angels, early VCs, um, you know, angel uh, seed funds, so forth. And then they go do an ICO after, do a token offering after in the follow-on round, and they declare that um, in advance. So I've invested in a few of these equity companies, um, and it's a good mixture of how you can go about um, taking money from folks you think can really help you through it and then taking advantage of the money that's out there in the crypto world, um, you know, to increase the value of your token, if if you think the token offering is really going to increase, uh, you know, and, and benefit your company anyways. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about, you know, further democratizing the access to capital, right? And, w and when it's sort of like, it's like, oh, ICOs are bad. It's like, no, like, ICOs aren't terrible, but, like, there's, you know there's a lot happening and when there's a lot happening it's harder and harder to do your due diligence i mean when you're talking about you know the classic investor interview i'm sure like you they walk into the room and three of their slides are devoted to like our existing partners and our total addressable market and how our path to revenue and so on and so on and so forth and it's not like a pdf you read online right so so uh, you know one of one of the things that um, founders always ask is, you know, like, what's something, you know, what are some of the, the kind of heat checks that you do is, is, you know, if, if a founder is able to articulate their, their sort of company and their mission to me, that ability to articulate that is almost as much of as important as like the actual idea of the company themselves, because they have to be able to, they, it can't just be an idea. They have to be like able to sort of invest themselves into it and be able to execute on it. Right. Cause I mean, again, it's like, it's not always the first company or the first idea that wins these things is the person that does it best. Right. So, so it's, that's, uh, you know, I'm not like anti ICO. It's kind of just like, eh, like, you know, yeah, we're trying to tell people to be cautious yell with their clouds. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm be yelling at clouds. With that, <laughs> He's anti-web van, but very pro-Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, as a last, Bringing it back to 1999. <laughs> when I was 10. Um, as, as, as a final, literally. As, literally. As a final point on that, uh, the ICO market was roughly 4 to $5 billion last year, depending on who you track, how you count, and so forth. If this $2 billion ICO does happen this year, it would be equivalent to roughly 40 to 50% of the total ICO volume last year. And if we thought the Filecoin ICO, which had a pre-sale to VCs and raised about $257 million, that's rough, um, this is just a magnitude bigger. And then my question is, if crypto keeps going up, what's the next ICO that comes along that's even bigger than Telegram? And then is it Apple or whatever? But like, if this pulls off, it sets a new chapter for the scale at which you can actually pull off an ICO. And that's going to be interesting to see. It turns out it's Dropbox and it was a triple track instead da -da, of a double da -da, track. Da -da, <laughs> All right. Triple on track. Note, on that note, thanks for tuning in. Come back next week. <laughs>
All right, everyone. We want to say a special thanks to our producer, TechCrunch's own Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Pickovet. Thank you to Katie Roof. Thank you to Matthew Lindley. And thank you to you for leaving us that five-star iTunes review. That's Equity. We'll see you all next Friday.